Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, recorded live at River Road Studios. Today's show is brought to you by Get Healthy Now with Candice. Get healthy now, not later, not before, already now, and not tomorrow, now, right? (laughs) Okay, right now. (laughs) If you'd love to do a consult and look at ways that you can get more healthy in your life, that you can improve your current feelings of wellness and, and lifestyle, Give me a shout. You can look up, look me up at gethealthynow.com or gethealthynowwithcandice.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Occupy Medical. <laughs> Occupy Medical is, is changing. We have- What? Yes, I know. It's really mm-hmm. weird, but we, I've always in the past said we're a street reach and we're still doing street reach. We're just doing it a different way. We have a place in Springfield and we also have a clinic that we have opened and have been doing for the last couple of months in Eugene- and that's the street reach part where we're specifically working with people that are unhoused. The clinic that we have in Springfield is a building and we have two mm-hmm. suites of it. And one part is for hygiene supplies and food for people that are, are struggling. They can just come in and get whatever they need. Mm-hmm. And then we have the other part, which is the medical part with the herbal um, part of it. And then the counseling as well as the integrated health part. And that is just because we have a place just like anybody that's coming out of being unhoused to being housed. They find all of a sudden all of these survival skills that they needed to have time for. They don't need to have time for it anymore because, you know, they got four walls around us and that's the same thing for us. So yeah, it's been great it's to be nice. able to burst out and do a whole bunch more projects. So so how can people contribute? Well, we are a 501c3 and that is, um, there's a bunch of uh, information that we have on Facebook and Twitter and on our website at occupy-medical.org. All right. And we're now, uh, our next sponsor is Mud Paw Design House. It's, uh, formerly Hunter Creation. This is the first time we're talking about it mm-hmm. over the air, if you will. So Mud Paw Design House is a company that Candace and I run and own, and it is graphic design and website design. If you're looking for a website that will match your your branding of your, of your, your printed materials, we can help you out. Or... If you have uh, printed materials and need a website, we can help you out with that too. So let us know at mudpawdesignhouse.com. And that's a mud paw, mud, like a dog paw mud that's muddy. Yeah. com or mudpawdesignhouse.com. That's cute. All right. And how about you, Sue? What about me? What do you what do you what do you bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? Well, I've got two should I just talk about the two things real quick? Would, uh, yeah, sure. I'll talk about Patreon first. Um, so I mentioned before about Occupy Medical, and I do a lot of stuff just during the week working with people that I cannot build them. I just can't. Yeah, they don't yeah. have any money. <laughs> right. But being yeah. a community herbalist, the work, uh, I've been doing this for so long, the work just has to be done. So yeah. I am asking for people to donate to my Patreon account so that I can continue working with people. And with that kind of sponsorship, that means that Um, I could also continue training other folks that want to open up clinics like we have. And I've been doing that and I've just been kind of doing it for free. So we need community herbalism in this country and I am willing to be um, the voice of experience. So I just need support from people. And you can go to my Patreon account at www.patreon.com slash Sue Sierra Lupe. Okay. That's really cool. Yep. That's just one of them. Do you have any, oh, do you have any more? Do you have any supporters yeah. already? So I do. I have a couple of wonderful supporters that have been brave enough to put in for um, 
one of them is a one-time supporter and then a, um, the others are monthly supporters. Nice. Nice. Yep. So All right. Did you have something you else? Much. Yes. So there's also uh, Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting and that's at uh, gmail.com. And that is my business that I do herbal consulting and that is for people get charged per hour for that one. So mm-hmm. that's that they get the same kind of service um, and I can come to people's houses and do things online and uh, that's available. So you've heard the genius. <laughs> now you can have that in your life too. <laughs> right. Ace High Heat Graphics, custom printed shirts and caps and everything else that you can wear. Um, they're specially they're specializing in um, event wear. So if you are a an herbal organization and you are putting on a fair or a festival and you need to have two three hundred shirts done, that Ace High Heat Graphics can help you out and save you a lot of money. Yeah. So, you know the other thing that Ace High Heat Graphics is doing is also doing branded wear for companies. So for within the company. So if you are a herbal organization and you have employees and people and volunteers that you want to have them all wearing like the same shirts or they would like to support the company by purchasing a shirt. That's another thing that ACP right. Graphics yeah, we're, does. We're, in mm-hmm. fact, we were doing a, a, a company store for a large client right now. So their nice. employees can go there and buy um, their shirts. Um, we did a promotion for that company and all the employees liked the shirts so much that they, they wanted to buy them for workwear. Nice. Mm-hmm. So they said, can you help us with that? So we're setting them up with a with an online store. That's really cool. And yeah. with the political season brewing up, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would want their slogans written on their shirts too. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. And finally, the Herbal Nerd Society, for which we would not be able to do any of this. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> we are thankful for the Herbal Nerd Society. When I don't want to come here some days and record because I got other things to do, I just remember there's a bunch of Herbal Nerd Society members paying me to get here. I yeah. Know. <laughs> I know. And they get content every single week. We put an article together. So above and beyond the the more advanced herbal articles for the Herb of the Month, uh, we also have access to all of the old podcasts from which we realized today we've done this for about six years now. Also, you get an ad-free viewing experience. Banner ads, no Google ads. It's just straight. Yeah. And the Let's Talk series where we have a, a section where you can listen to some of our guests give specific information about their chosen topic. All right. On with the show. Practice of herbalism is often a deeply personal one. As we heal others, we heal ourselves, and the plants rejoice. Today we're talking with Jessica Baker, licensed acupuncturist, herbalist, and author of Plant Songs about connecting with plants as medicine for change. Now here are your hosts, Candice Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candice Hunter and I'm Sue Sierra Lupe, and welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome. Hello, Jessica. Hello. I am so glad you are here today. I'm very glad to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you both. Oh, I, you know, I, I saw your book when it came out about a year ago and I, I was like enamored already and I have read it cover to cover, devoured it, enjoyed it. It was awesome. So I want to thank you. I was so excited when you guys reached out and said, Hey, we'd like to do a uh, interview. 
Mm. Yeah. And you're no stranger to this whole interview process. You've been doing herbalism and, and promoting the, the natural healing practices that you uh, partake in, as it were, for quite a while. Absolutely. Um, I've been an herbalist or started studying herbalism over 20 years ago. And I feel like it took me a few years to actually call myself an herbalist. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's just been a great journey of like working with plants and having the plants work with me and on me and all of those beautiful things. And so I'm glad you like the book. It's always a little embarrassing to put personal information out in the world. So it's nice to hear good things come back from it. Right. Yeah, it is. It's really... You're really vulnerable in a way when you do that, you know, you're sharing your stories of yourself with people you don't know because you don't know who's reading that book. <laughs> right. And even like my parents reading that book was a moment right. of like, oh, my gosh, my parents are going to read this book. You Ooh, know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Having parents that, that would read your book. <laughs> Yo, huh? I hope it went well. <laughs> it did. I have really great supportive parents. And so it was, um, you know, like my mom was like, oh, I didn't know you felt like that. It's like, of course you didn't. I was 12 and I wasn't going to admit to you how I was really feeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they just they were really great with it. And I, I never really kept many secrets about cannabis smoking or anything from them. So that wasn't shocking to hear. Mm -hmm. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. So where were you raised? I was kind of raised all over. I come from a military family. So usually I lived somewhere between nine months and two years, about average mm -hmm. was two years. And so I was born in Alaska oh. and lived there till I was two and a half or three and then kind of dotted all across the South. Were you Air until, Force? I was Army. Army. Oh, what part, what state, where were you born in, then in Alaska? I was actually born at Elmendorf Air Force Base. And so although my dad was in the Army, we tended to live near Air Force bases hmm. as well. Nice. So I can't uh, explain why, but I was born on an Air Force base. Yeah. 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 One of the things I loved about your book is the fact that the you you wander through what are really common European Western herbs like rose and yarrow. Then you move into other ones that are really like definitely TCM style herbs like magnolia. And then you've got like tobacco, which is very Native American herb. And I mean, I love how in so many ways the herbs and the plants that you chose reflect your moving around childhood and growing up experience. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I didn't even think about that until you said it. But mm -hmm. I mean, not, not, not the moving around part. Absolutely. But the choice of herbs, I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that it was going along those lines of Chinese medicine and Western herbalism. And then, you know, Native American, um, pra not practices, but a Native American plant like tobacco. These were literally just the ones that were begging to be added to the book because it's like, okay, well, this is, this is my favorite and this is my favorite, but it's like, no, these are the ones that were pivotal in those moments of my life. Right. And I just needed to be reminded yeah. about that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the way that you put them together, it is, it's seamless. You don't feel like you're jumping from one nation to another or one modality to another. 
you have integrated the lessons of the herbs so well that you can just flow through them. And I love looking at the table of contents and just thinking, wow, that's, that's much more a, a TCM one, but it's not, it is and it isn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like Magnolia, we definitely use it more in TCM, Yes, but, but then, you know, coming from a Southern family, it was like, Everyone. well, Magnolia is like the epitome of a Southern tree in my opinion, because yeah. you oh, just yeah. see it everywhere. Oh yeah. yeah, it is. Honestly. I mean, we're not, we're very much not in the South. We're in the, the North, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of latitude and there are magnolias on my street and they're not the same ones as the ones that are in the South, I think, because those are much larger and more fragrant. We have a couple different types up here. But the ones that we have up here, I mean, the one that's in my yard, she's not big, but I look at her and she has got that strong Southern energy that like a uncompromising Southern woman who is not going to put up with crap. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, I can relate to that strong Southern woman. I have a lot of those in my family. <laughs> yeah. So you have, obvi- I mean, of course we've talked about TCM. You've got such a wide range of modalities you've worked with. I mean, I want to hear about tuning forks. How do you, I mean, okay. tuning forks, tuning forks. The tuning forks are amazing, and I have known about them for probably 10 years or so, but I never really thought that was something I was going to work with until um, I started getting sound healing sessions from Mm -hmm. other practitioners that weren't acupuncturists, and some of them used tuning forks, and some used instruments or voice or other things, and then I was like, no, this piece of like sound as a harmonic medicine, and you know, the basis of pretty much everything if we want to go that deep and far with it then it's like I need this is something I really want to learn and practice and so I've only studied one weekend course of acutonics so far I I want to do the whole series but you know life gets in the way of, 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 of learning everything we want to but it's incredibly profound you can actually do it on acupuncture points with or without the needles Um, And you can also just scan the body with it. Sometimes I'll just scan the body with different different frequencies or um, tones and people are like, oh, my gosh, you're not even touching me and I'm getting these changes. And it's the frequency of the sound that whether it's actually touching the body or not, people are getting um, are are feeling changes. That is that is really to me, that's really profound in part because when I sit with the plant myself and I'm working on tuning in to the plant's energy and resonating with it, the idea of music is always like the frequency is always in my mind. And for me, when I'm listening to music or certain sounds, that sort of thing, I get pictures and and images similar to when I'm sitting with plants. So it's, I love that. It's, I think it's cool. It's definitely cool. And I'm sure you've seen that machine that you plug into plants and then you can hear them yes. singing. I've uh, heard, I love yeah. that instrument. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think that's really, it's just, it's cool. So especially considering that your book is called Plant Songs. Yes. And sometimes people are like, there's no music in here. And I'm like, well, a song is also a mantra. And these are my songs. This is the messages I've heard. But maybe your song that from Magnolia is going to be something totally different than mine. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm definitely, I mean, I play mu- musical instruments and things like that, but I don't, I'm not a musician enough to feel like I could actually write a song. And they've come to me more as like stanzas or pant stanzas or poems mm-hmm. more than songs. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on the plant and what's going on. But yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely too shy to write a song and put it in a book. You don't I might write a song and not put it in a book, but to put that in the book, I'm not quite there yet. But you don't want to just break out into song right here? We can sing together? <laughs> no? <laughs> I, mean, I would definitely, I love song circles. So um, yes, but I won't sing alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know nobody wants to hear my voice. It's really not very... Um, Melodious. Melodious. Uh-huh. Melodious. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how, did your you, friend. No. how did you go from being in the in the army and running around this country to doing what you are today? Was was this something that uh, that working with plants? Is that something that you did when you were younger, uh, more concisely? I know you've got some of this mentioned in your book, but for listeners, can you give us a little sample of that? A little sample story? Um, sure. I mean, you know, as a child, I was not really, obviously not rooted at all. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't feel like I had a deep connection to the land per se, because I just never felt at home anywhere. There was no home. And mm-hmm. so um, my my dad would do like square foot gardening, but we didn't own homes because we moved all the time. Mm-hmm. So he would start a garden and then we would leave. And so there was never, you know, sometimes I would see things to fruition, but there was never this like longevity understanding of setting roots down. Um, and so as much as like we loved plants growing up, that really was not a huge part of my life. Um, I'm not that person who had a deep, I had my own innate connection to specific plants, like the magnolia tree in my grandmother's yard, mm-hmm. the pine trees on my grandfather's property, my, you know, the oak tree in my neighbor's yard that I climbed every single day. There were things like that, but that deeper connection to nature, I did not have at all. Um, and I really didn't have until I was in college. And I would start going to the river and start going hiking with some of my friends. And then it really started when I moved to Humboldt County in 1997. My hu- my boyfriend, who's now my husband, we dropped out of college and moved to Humboldt to be in the medical cannabis um it was just a scene at that point. It was no industry. It was just, <laughs> you know, that scene that was brand new and everyone was excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, growing cannabis there wasn't brand new, but the medical cannabis was, right. was new. And mm-hmm. so um, it was really taking my very first herb class in Humboldt County that really brought this like aha moment of we are all connected to this earth and we're rooted in and all, you know, just that bigger understanding of just what our relationship to plants is, is, was my first inkling of like, oh, herbalism is this thing. Cause you know, growing up your mom, like I, I had a lot of yeast infections cause I was always on antibiotics. And I remember my mom being like, I hear garlic pills will help you. So we would try garlic pills or, you know, because of my urinary tract infection, she would give me cranberry juice, but there was no like 
understanding of this is an herb and we're doing it this way. It was just somebody told me this might help you and we'll try it. But there was never consistency or herbalism in my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more like home remedies type of thing. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, It's like everybody's grandma has pine oil for your chest, but no one's like talking about pine oil from a medicinal standpoint. It's just everybody knows you use pine oil, you know? Right. Well, and there was a long time where herbalism and home remedies were just, that was the medicine. And then it just sort of, I think, especially in the South, it never quite, we never quite let go of it. You yeah. Know? It's because of the poverty. Yeah. You couldn't afford the the fancy things that they had in the stores and people can be pretty isolated when they're down South in certain pockets, at least where we were, there's, there's a, a bigger town and then nothing for miles. And then, you know, the smaller towns, which were isolated from each other as well. And I know every part of the South is a little bit different, but the families, they stuck together mm-hmm. and those those practices, yeah. they stuck with the families. And so. I also think, and I don't, I mean, obviously I can't generalize everyone in the South, but in my family, um, the poverty was definitely a part of it. Um, and also we had, like, I knew three of my great grandmothers. So we also had multiple generations. So mm-hmm. I feel like there was at least some form of lineage of information that just wasn't cut off you know, because you were just your nuclear family and you didn't know your extended cousins and great aunts mm-hmm. and great uncles and all of that, you know. So we really had five generations alive at one point during my family history. And integrating know? with each other. Exactly. Yeah. So especially, I, I wonder if this is true for you when your dad was shipped off somewhere where you often uh, shipped to a, a grandparent house to wait it out until whatever transitory project was over? Um, You know, that happened when I was really, really small, so small, I don't remember. And then it happened again right before I moved to Germany. I had to go to Georgia and be in school for like three weeks or a month before we (laughs) met him over in Europe, you know. Um, It it is ouch. Um, But my parents, (laughs) again, you know, they tried to make it as easy as possible. But, you know, if I could just the only good thing about Georgia was meeting my husband at the University of Georgia. There were other good things like getting to live near my grandmother and things like that. Because mm-hmm. I didn't really ever live near my family until I was in high school in Georgia. Ah, um, yeah. But it was a little shocking. It's a, it's a culture shock, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially, it's not like we lived in Atlanta. We were in a very rural area with you know people who had never been to Tennessee and it was 10 minutes away and you're like you've never been to Tennessee okay why would why would we want to we live in Georgia that's exactly yeah you you're definitely from the south you know that's right I get you hon yeah (laughs) yeah wow so the that's a divergent culture that you were in the the people that are deeply rooted and then you just wafting around for quite some time. I know from my own experience that that transitory lifestyle, when I finally came to college here at the University of Oregon, it was, it was so deeply, it was such a big relief. You know, I got to see plants growing on top of plants and I got to this idea that I, I could stay here and and recognizing some of the plants that had been in my own 
uh, travels, it gave me a sense of a belonging. And that is such a, for people that have had to move around a lot, that, that sense of belonging, not only to a place, but to the people around them. That's a huge, that's a huge gift. Yes, it is. Yeah. So plants are that, that little helper and that you take them with you. And the more you learn about them, no matter where you are, then it's like you're expanding your sense of home. Oh. Yeah, that is so true. Because now every time I see a plant or a tree or a fungus or whatever that I recognize, I'm like, oh, hi, friend. Yep. You're yep. like, you're here. <laughs> yep, that's true. Yeah. So you've, you've, uh, so this is like an autobiography slash herb book. Plant it, songs. Plant songs. Oh, sorry. Yes, plant yeah, songs. Yeah. It was, it was in my head. And I looked at the book, <laughs> but for listeners, they, <laughs> Probably couldn't yeah. see that. No, surprisingly, no. Yeah. So, how did you become inspired to to write this yeah. all down? It was just those moments of I've always liked to write, so I always knew from a small child that at some point I would write a book. It was just in I just knew that was going to happen, um, and this was really like an inspiration because I took a writer's workshop. Oh, good House for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted to like know what, how the whole process, it, you know, what is the whole process of trying to publish a book? And so um, I think the timing of it was because I won one of their prizes where they would like, I didn't get a Hay House membership or authorship, mm-hmm. but I did, you know, a self-publishing thing. And so I think the timing was just because it was like, oh crap, I took this class and now they're saying that my idea is good enough to do something with. So Aww. I think that was... You know, so it was just encouragement of like, yeah. okay, I am on the right path here. Validation. Um, so, mm-hmm. And I I knew it was going to be an herb book. Um, when Even before the class, I knew I would write an herb book. And um, I didn't want it to be just, a, I love all my herb books. Don't get me wrong. I right. love every single herb book. But they some of them are kind of dry. And they're all just facts. And we mm-hmm. all love facts. But I also want it. I'm a storyteller. So I wanted to tell a story. And so I was like, well, I can't just tell other people's stories because that's not authentic. And, you know, and I don't always just want to be like, Gerard said this and Culpepper said that. And Mm -hmm. I really wanted to pull from something personal. And also, you know, I've had a clinic now for 10 years. And so I knew I had enough clinical knowledge to pull from to say, I've seen this enough times now that I can say on some degree, at least in my experience, that this is true, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I was like, it just kind of came to me one day is like, let's write your stories down. And it was really hard to write your stories down and to remember things that, you know, maybe weren't in the forefront of your mind anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was kind of my inspiration. If that if I, that even answered the question, I think it did. Yes, yeah, it definitely did. Well, you're you you have a lot of stories in there. Is there uh, one that you'd be willing to share? Uh, kind of a synopsis with our listeners to get them an idea of what you have in your book. Um, sure. You know, I I guess the one that I I 
usually share because it's the first chapter is the Magnolia chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the story in the Magnolia chapter um, really being a story about my maternal grandmother and the Magnolia tree that was in her front yard. Because I did move around so much, um, my maternal grandmother's house was the only constant house that I really felt comfortable in and welcome in. I did have another set of grandparents that in Florida, my dad's parents, who weren't as welcoming and loving. So I didn't feel home at their place, even though it was also a constant. And so for me, this magnolia tree was the first thing that I always saw as I was driving up into my grandmother's house Mm -hmm. because it was in the center of her yard. And so just this idea of the magnolia being the one thing that roots me, that kind of rooted me to the planet as a child. I was very in my head a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was something that I could draw on. Like when I thought about my grandmother's house, the magnolia tree was always in my vision as a child. Um, and then my when I really my big uh, moment with the magnolia of her really sharing her story with me or her song with me was when my grandmother died. And I, that was 2004, just a couple of months before I actually started acupuncture school. And I had spent on and off the most of six months being in Georgia because I do have a large extended family on that side and we are really close. I just couldn't stay away basically. And so I just kept going back to Georgia and, um, I, there was just something in me that was, I have to be there when my grandmother died. It was a non, like I couldn't not be there. So, of course, because the universe listens and knows where you need to be at that moment, um, I was there when she passed away. Mm. And all I could do was go into her yard and um, and just stand by the magnolia. And that's mm-hmm. when the magnolia tree was basically like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, you know, you gotta just breathe life in and breathe life out. And you have to transform your anger into love and your fear into courage and your despair into growth. And I was like, hold on, did that tree really just tell me that? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd been an herbalist now since the late nineties, but I, and I had heard, you know, we all have these communications, but it was so loud and so clear. I was like, wow, no, she actually just said that to me. And this has been what she's been saying to my family for you know, however long she's been here in this yard, this has been what she's been transmitting to my family. Because yeah. um, you know, all families have crap, but you know, there's a lot of despair mm-hmm. in our family. And I just was like, wow, this is really powerful. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so that's kind of the Magnolia story in in a little synopsis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's beautiful. It's a, it's. It's powerful how strongly the trees, all the plants, but trees especially seem like they speak with such authority or clarity. Um, And I'm sure that, you know, beginning to work with the acupuncture and and being in acupuncture school probably helped you open up even more to being able to hear that. Absolutely. It's a place where you start to touch more of the energies of things. And when you start moving with touching energy and working with energy, it, it opens up another part of your mind. Um, 
and just, you know, your mind, but also like your spirit, right? There's yeah. just something like the clouds are lifted and everything is a little bit more clear. Yeah. There's a, there's a moment where suddenly you realize your mind and your spirit are one. They're two sides of the same coin and they can communicate right through the middle of that coin. They can open up and, and then suddenly there is no coin. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. I think the phrase is, there is no spoon. There's no spoon. Exactly. But if there's nothing, it can be a coin or a spoon, right? That's right. Right. That's right. Right. Just have to get our matrix uh, quote in there somewhere. Yeah. It's the blue pill. The blue pill. (laughs) I like the magnolia is one of my favorite plants. I was glad that you opened with it. The textures that I'm a, a tactile person and you've got the fuzzy Fuzzy leaf, the shiny, leathery leaf, the the fragile blossoms, the rugged, uh, flaky bark, all the 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 smells of it are different depending on what part of the tree you're you're looking at. And then of course, uh the smell, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this. And on a hot day when you go under the tree, you know what I mean? It's just different that once you're out in the sun and then you go, or you're under the tree, there's just a scent that rises up. I find I, that, you know what I mean? Yep. I, I do know what you mean. Yep. And it's not, and like you said, it's not the same thing that you smell on the breeze. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's like it's collected under the shade of that tree. I know. Almost, you know, cause it does get so sticky hot in the South. It's almost, mm-hmm. And sometimes overpowering, like uh-huh. nauseating mm-hmm. and not as pleasant as it is when it's wafting through the breeze. Right. <laughs> At least for me, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, this is almost too much. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sensitive to smells. So, yeah. Well, and all me of too. the different magnolias, they all work with the lungs and the stomach pretty much, or stomach spleen in, in the case of the magnolia grandifolia, southern magnolia. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's. You know, I can see where that could become overwhelming if you have too much of it. Oh, yeah. Which is true for Southern culture, too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely true on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You're so bad. Oh, well, I like my hate mail. <laughs> I have to admit, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in the South. I've taken a couple very brief visits. I, I've seen Meridian. Mississippi. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that, but but I I've spent most of my time in the north. Just that's where I was born and raised, and and my ancestors all came from more northern like climates northern in European, Europe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the southern culture to me is completely foreign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I've been to Florida, and that doesn't count. So yeah. oh, it, it yeah, well, it's doesn't. tropical. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I'm sure I just offended a bunch of people, but I don't. Uh-huh. I don't ever assume or think of or associate Florida with Southern culture. Uh, right. <laughs> well, you know, but Northern Florida is yeah. absolutely Southern culture. I was sure. just yeah. going to say Florida that. Is like yep. Southern Georgia. Before yeah. the before the dangling portion. <laughs> the dangling <laughs> yes, portion. When you're still in the Panhandle, like there the Panhandle yeah. is absolutely the South. There you yeah. go. That's yeah. where my family lives, and mm-hmm. they are Southern. You know, yeah. farms and all that there. Yeah, it's a it is a blessing to be from a place like that. But it, it there is a reason why 
people that come from difficult circumstances have brewed up either compassion or anger or resentment or all three of those and well, hopefully higher on the compassion end. <laughs> I, I think there's I think there's an interesting story in the South and it's partly the story of the US and the the North and the South, the battles and, and the the difference in culture. There's this almost like repressive nature of what's happened to Southern culture. I was standing in the post office of all places today and a fellow from um, St. Augustine, St. Yeah, St. Augustine, Saint Florida. Augustine mm-hmm. Florida. Yes. I can see it every time I'm thinking of that city, I can see it, but the name of it wants to escape me, but he was, his family was from there and he was adamant about how that was the first settlement in America and Plymouth Rock was, you know, this like it 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 was it shouldn't get all the press it shouldn't get all the glory and, mm-hmm. and, and and he was really quite sweet about it he wasn't mean or angry he was just saying that's the facts you know that's where it's be we began in in terms of European settlement in America and you know really it is mm-hmm. even though in grade school I learned all about Plymouth Rock and you know I only learned about Saint Augustine like what five years ago. You know, I mean, that's just not right. Yeah, we're learning a lot about history. But the the piece that you you also have in your book, it seems, is this uh, connection with experiencing being being present in the moment, and then bringing bringing your conflict that you have in your mind to another being. In this case, plant uh, plant medicine and it seems like you focus on not just how the healing that the plants have in their uh, chemistry, but also the traditions as well. How do you, how, how do you do the research for that? Is it, is it from your travels? It's definitely from my travels and it's also, I am like an avid reader. So I definitely tried to read as many texts as I possibly could um, I, I was an, an undergrad. I was a Greek and classical literature major. So at one point mm-hmm. in my life, I could actually read Greek, <laughs> which does not happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, can you still read it? And now I read the books where it's Greek on one side and English on the other. And I'm pretty much reading the English side and acting like I know what's going on on the Greek side. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> nice. so, so at least for this book, I had I was at the Denver Botanic Garden Library almost every day. Um, researching, looking at books. I tried desperately to get into their rare book collection and they never let me in. Mm. Um, They're like, no, we have the online version. I'm like, I don't care, please. I want to be in the room with the old book. Um, So it was, it was a lot of research and um, asking like other herbalists, I know what their personal experiences and opinions were and, you know, just trying to get as much information from as many sources as I can. And when I put the book out and the whole thing came out, I was like, I didn't cite one source for this book. Uh. And then I was like, and then I was like, you know what? Who cares? I'm not, this wasn't supposed to be this heady reference book of material. It was supposed to be a book of stories. Yeah. Um, but if I redo it, I will definitely put in more resources of, of where I got the information. Because for someone like me, I care. I want to go be able to look that up. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah. I didn't really offer that. And so I will apologize to any reader who cares about that. <laughs> well, I like doing that. I'll go through a book and spend 
the next couple of times I go through is I'm, I'm looking at, well, where did they get this from? Uh, that's interesting. But that's your, your, your story, your plant songs book is more about your take on it. And I, I think that that's what, like you said, that's what your focus is. This was your take. So in the future, putting up a, uh, other places for people to look to kind of get their take or to see, oh, I see where where she got that from. That's I was going to say, it's not as bad as you think. I mean, like, for instance, I'm not judging you, you are citing the Shen Nog at one point, Dioscorides. I mean, you're you've got quite a few well-known um, Culpepper. You know, you've got mm. quite a few good sources that are just right in the text. They're in the text. Yeah. yeah. Right. I did do that. I just didn't do like the reference. Yep. at the end or like right. this is from page blah 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 of this book in this publication you mm-hmm. know which i know scholars really like all that stuff they do they do like all that stuff and that stuff is probably pretty good but i kind of like the story better me and, too and in all honesty i mean i've seen your credentials i trust you know what you're talking about well so. she's trying to be sensitive to people <laughs> like you. me candace i know <laughs> I know. You know, I will say I'm proud of my credentials, but I wouldn't just trust people based on those credentials. And in general, because each acupuncture mm-hmm. school in every state's totally different, and you get a different education. And mm-hmm. you know, the the uh, American Herbalist Guild, you know, they're they're they have a pretty rigid system to make you to give you those two letters at the end of your name. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, I always say. I love all my acupuncturists, but we are definitely different. There's differing degrees. And, you know, there's like C students that graduate everywhere. Right. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's what true. I always say when people are like, oh, my doctor. I'm like, yeah, your doctor could be a C student, but he's still a doctor. Right. That is true. And I mean, I was not a C student, so I will say that. But. Yes. And I have to admit, I mean, a lot of the plants that I have connections with, you know, what you're what you've written about resonates for me. So it works. Good. Good. Yeah. I mean, some of these are the universal truths. Even if I just use my language to describe it, you can have a similar feeling, but you wouldn't necessarily use the same words. Right. But it's like, like you said, it's that resonance. It's like, no, that's when there's there's truth in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the fact that you do a wonderful job of including things like the meridians and the elements and all of that, especially for some of the less, shall we say, traditional herbs like psilocybin. 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 I always say it wrong. You're just using your northern accent. Freaking magic mushrooms, man. (laughs) Yeah, you can call it whatever you want. They don't care as long as you keep going back, right? Say that again. I always want to call them psilocybin. They're the magic mushrooms, right? (laughs) And what's the proper way? Psilocybin. Yeah. Wow. I know. <laughs> like any, any, it's not a plant, but anything that you're digging around in horse poop for, or cow poop for, you gotta, you gotta get a little wonder. flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as that I said, poop instead of the other thing. I'm really yeah. proud of myself, Patrick. You don't have to bleep it out. But geez, I was just said shit. Well, God, I can't, I can't win. I cannot win with these guys. So much for keeping it clean. clean. Ah. the worst. Wah, wah. Well, uh, thank you very much for being with us and and talking about your wonderful book that you have here and what brought you to 
to herbalism and the healing path that you have. And I look forward to hopefully talking to you again in the future. Can you tell people where they can reach you? Yes, uh, people can reach me on my website, bakerbotanica.com. Um, and then Instagram, I'm also like baker underscore botanica. My Facebook page, um, I'm not, maybe not daily on there, but I, I do try to have a, a good presence on there. And that's Jessica Baker, L-A-C. And um, I'd give you my phone number, but really I, I can give you my email address. It's probably going to be better because I, I travel a lot. So my phone's not always on. Right. Is that and on your, my, is that on your website? You know, I actually don't have my email address. There's a, there's a place on my website where you can send me a message. Yeah. That might be so, safer for, for folks. Yeah, that might be the easiest. Okay. And you also have videos. I have videos on my YouTube channel. Yes, mm -hmm. thank you. I always forget about that. I, I The videos are a labor of love and, mm -hmm. and hate at the same time. <laughs> the videos are the hardest for me to do. I'll talk all day, but to be on a camera, I'm like, yeah. uh, so, uh, I, it, so on YouTube, if you put in Jessica Baker Herbalist, mm -hmm. That is the best way. I can't seem to find an easy way for people to find me on YouTube. I'm sure there's some SEO thing I'm not doing properly. Mm. Um, but if you just put in like Jessica Baker Herbalist or Herb Videos, I will I will show up. Okay. Could you also mention your podcast? And my podcast is called The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. And it's also a blog. So it's a blog and a podcast. And um, I interview all sorts of cool people. Mindy Green, I interviewed my, my very first herb teacher, Jane Bothwell from the Dandelion Herbal Center. And sometimes I don't interview anybody and I just talk about Chinese medicine or the elements. Um, I just did one recently on the energetics of Chinese herbs. Mm -hmm. So we just go over the taste, you know, because right. everyone's like, what do you mean the taste of the herb? So we go over taste and temperature. Hmm. Nice. Interesting. Wow. And then, of course, uh, your new book, Plant Songs, uh, Reflections on Herbal Medicine, which is, let's see, published by, I'm going to read this without my glasses. Balboa it's, it's, Press. Balboa Press. Division yep. of Hay House. Yep. So yeah. they're like the self-publishing wing of Hay House. Okay. Is who Balboa Press is. Nice. Well, thank you again for being on our show and for sharing with us. And... Uh, as always, put, put an herb, herb on, on it. it. Statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute or advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliate websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. All, always consult a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamin supplements diet or exercise program before taking any medication.